Hello, everyone. This is Eric Pennington, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. We're glad that you've tuned in. A few things we wanted to tell you at the beginning of the show, and that's this podcast was created to be a tool to help you, primarily to discover and grow your EQ. Science and our own lived experiences confirm that the better we are at managing our emotions, the better we're going to be at making decisions, which leads to a better life. And that's something we all want. We're glad that you've taken out the time today to listen and hope that something that you hear will lead to a breakthrough. Hey, one last thing. We'd really appreciate a review on whichever platform you use to listen. And if you want to, leave some comments about what you heard today, as well as follow and subscribe. That way you won't miss a single episode as we continue this journey. And with that, the show begins. Hello, everyone. This is Eric, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. Joining me today is Luke Cavanaugh, uh, of whom you may remember from a previous episode that we did about a year ago, but he has uh, been kind to uh, join us today again, which I'm very excited about. And uh, Luke is a change agent, thought leader, um, communications expert uh, who actually is now in a role of consulting, helping organizations with change as well as thought leadership, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and also things around EQ, which is kind of in our wheelhouse, obviously. So Luke, welcome to the podcast. Wheelhouse. That's a great term for a little bit of what we're going to talk about today. But thanks, uh, Eric. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I, it was about, I guess, about a year ago um, this time when we were we were talking about a few different topics. I think my son was in a slump. We were talking about my, yes, my son. That's right. You know, and I had gravitated so much to the baseball analogy around him and uh, that idea of being in a slump, which I know. I, it even translated over into the work um, uh, that we were doing outside of the podcast. But right. said that, let me let me make sure. I want to know how are you? How are things? Give give me an update. I'm good. Things are. I'm I'm in the. I'm closer to the East Coast than you. I don't know how things are, but fall kind of fall kind of struck uh, over the weekend here. So it's crisp. It's very crisp. It's sunny. Um, I spent the whole. I spent the whole weekend, as I spend many weekends now, uh, outside at a baseball tournament. Uh, uh, my son's 11, so he was playing down at a tournament uh, near the beach in Delaware. Um, but it was a beautiful weekend, and it was a really fun weekend. They did, they did really well. They 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 got to the finals of their tournament, which was a kind of a, they pushed the grounds of the push pushed the bounds of overachievement. Oh, which wow. is really fun, um, for, especially for kids that age. So, and, and also we were able to stay near the beach and take a little walk on the beach in the morning, which is wonderful to do in October uh, in 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 Delaware. It's a great spot to be. Um, and then I was also thinking, you know, last then last night I finally managed to finish. Uh, I finally managed to finish Ted Lasso, huh. and it gave some ideas for things that I would inject in here today because it really struck me. It really struck me so much. I've had this thought before, but it struck me so much that the big headline for me is that I think Ted Lasso is a show about EQ for men. Um, And I think that's such a a, a really important thing in our world uh, right now. And actually, one of the things, you know, I was saying my my son had fallen asleep on the couch because he was so exhausted and he was dead asleep. So I turned it on. I was watching the last couple episodes and I was thinking, you know, 
the content of the show is far from, unfortunately, like the delivery and the, some of the storylines and are far from appropriate for, for an 11 year old, but the overall like theme and the message about, you know, how, how men are, are full emotional beings and men need each other's sport and, and, and go through difficult times. And um, all of those themes that the show touched on, I wish I could share with my 11, my 11 year old son, because I'm just kind of like, you know, the earlier, the better that we send you down that lane instead of the macho carry it all on your, your own shoulders lane. Right. Um, but right. uh, so I don't want to call that a digression because I think the Ted Lasso. Oh, no, theme, no, that's great. I mean, I wasn't expecting it, but wow, that's, that's really good because, you know, it's interesting um, that the very final episode uh, of which uh, I, I have watched all the seasons, but the final episode I mean, that one was, uh, for me personally, very powerful, uh, specifically around sort of that underlying theme of forgiveness. Mm, And uh, specifically as well, that scene where uh, Nate is talking to, is it Coach Beard? I think that was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And he's retelling his story and his relationship with Ted and then about just straight out, I forgive you. And. I want to ask you, in light of that, as as kind of a carrying it into that lane, you know, sometimes, man, when we think about saying something like, forgive me, it seems to open us, and I'm going to speak as a man, to this vulnerability that feels very uncomfortable. Mm. So do you think there's some maybe specific intentionality around that as it relates to the show? And then maybe just give me your, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I mean, I think, yeah, definitely the topic, you know, the, the idea of of vulnerability, I think, is is super important, and it doesn't it doesn't seem to come as easily in the you know the typical American male role. Right. Um, so it's just, I, I think, anytime we can see messages that um, that that show the good that comes from forgiveness whether you're the one who needs to be forgiven or you're the one who needs to give the forgiveness. Um, you know, either way, it's really, that that's a really important um, topic. And I thought, you know, in that top, in that, in that context to see how everything got better for everybody around the issue when, you know, f- when forgiveness was, was granted, even in a, you know, in a situation where most, you know, many people would have said, well, he doesn't deserve to ever be forgiven. That's an unforgivable thing that he did. Right. And and I and I will interrupt you, Luke, for our audience. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you probably need to watch the other seasons to really get a grasp around why what you said is so so on mark, because um, the character Nate had done some really kind of. I guess, for lack of a better way of saying it, kind of underhanded things yeah. or, or uh, spiteful, whatever you want to call it. Um, so he, here's another thing that that really comes to my mind too, uh, Luke. Um, you know, I mentioned about it, it feel it's kind of difficult to, to to express that vulnerability, and I'm I'm starting to wonder. Maybe that's the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be hard. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, 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 yeah, because I I think when I, when I come back to thinking about, you know, the incredible value that comes out of that, you know, I I guess nothing that delivers that kind of value should be super easy. You know, it's not like it's, it's weird too, because it's not like it's physically hard. It's not, it's not like it's, 
it's not like forgiveness is something that's ever, you know, completely unavailable. It might feel like it is, but yeah. it's not really, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I liken that to, uh, I mean, you know, I, and I know that, you know, we're going to talk about some things, uh, believe it or not, uh, for our audience about baseball <laughs> and where's that yeah. going to, but, um, you know, I think about all of the things that it's necessary for someone to play a sport like baseball, for example, and the training, the practice, uh, the difficulties that are involved in being able to at least to build yourself to a competency around it. I don't know of anyone I've ever talked to that said, oh, yeah, that was easy. Oh, it was it was it was it was so easy. I, I could have yeah. done it in my sleep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes maybe have we been conditioned in our culture to see that everything should be like AI. I can just type it in and get an answer. Yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, un unfortunately we're like only at the beginning of that with AI, right? That's a, that's a different rabbit hole we could go down. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that the, um, I think to me, the thing that comes to mind when you say that though, is the, um, the, how much of our culture is built around sort of, <coughs> excuse me, the, the easy solution, the instant gratification, the, the, the instant dopamine hit, the order from Amazon that comes tomorrow or later today, mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, the thing that doesn't deliver any gratification at this moment, but delivers something lasting down the road. <coughs> excuse me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that's, that's the thing that really comes to mind um, for me. And I and I don't I, I certainly don't begrudge all of the the great advancements that we've experienced because of technology. Um, I, I just I wonder sometimes if maybe we should maybe maybe move the pendulum more toward, hey, you know, this is going to be tough. What I'm about yeah. to engage in is going to be difficult. So yeah. I shouldn't feel like I'm strange. I shouldn't feel like I'm 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 not worthy or I'm bad or whatever. It's just this is supposed to be difficult, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because th then maybe we won't be so prone to maybe want to shy away from tackling something, quote, right? Um, yeah. And and I think about that. I, I want to go to this part about EQ for men, right? Um, and and I, I will say from my experience and in, in the work at Spirit of EQ, uh, certainly <clears throat> some of the more difficult um the more challenging or those that may find the work of developing emotional intelligence most challenging are men. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I'm just based on my lived professional experience. So what do you think is the value for, for men to, to grow their EQ? If, if you can speak about it from that perspective. Oh gosh. Yeah. I'm trying to think about where I want to start to answer that question. Um, because I mean, the first the first piece is is sort of like you know I, I think I think that the, the the piece of why it's more why it tends to be more challenging for men, I mean that's that's one where I'm going to say you know we could get into the nature versus nurture kind of philosophy. That's sure. all nurture, right? Because we know you know that we 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 know that you know science tells us that like you know men are not men men don't inherently have a different set of emotional you know emotional circuits in them than women do like we help we, we experience the same emotions there might be different you know tendencies um yes. in, in the experience but but you know 
the, the, the system of emotions that guides us through the world, which is a very old, you know, evolutionary system. Men have it. Women have it. Yeah. It guides both of us. But, you know, for some reason, men seem to get a little bit more of the message, whether we're receiving it more that, you know, it's not as important for us or it's something that we need to kind of put to the side and plow forward with, you know, thinking or acting or whatever. But it's yeah. just as important. I mean, it's just it's a, emotions still have, you know, ha have just as big of an impact on on male lives and male decision making as they do on, you know, on anybody else in the world. Yeah. Um, so, so, so that's, yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm interrupting you again. Uh, it's interesting when you say that too, Luke, because um, um, what I've found is that like in giving talks, um, it, it, depending on the audience makeup and what I know about them, um, I, I'll preface a lot of this work with, I'm not asking you to become an emotional person. I'm not asking you to, uh, ditch your logic brain right i'm just asking you to be open to another area of your brain to be curious about what's yeah. going on there because i don't think anybody uh would deny that emotions are the driver um right. now we may not want to manage it or deal with it or whatever the way that someone else does but from that dynamic i i think i i found that to be an important factor at least to for for specifically men to let down that or to sort of lower that wall to the idea that there may be something more going. So I, yeah. I interrupted you, but you you just made me think about that. No, yeah, it's I mean that's that's the whole thing of you know if I'm going to explain to somebody why why it could be important to to invest in looking at EQ, it's because whether you whether you recognize the importance of emotions in your life or not, they're running constantly and they are influencing your decision-making, they're influencing your actions and reactions, your emotions are influencing your energy levels um, and, and, and so much more. So you can either pay attention to that or not. I mean, be my guest either way, but it's happening. So you're going to have better understanding of how to harness it if you do pay attention to it and understanding and, and understand it. It's almost like rain, right? I can I can say I, I I'm not paying any attention to rain, but if yeah. you don't have an umbrella, you're going right. to get <laughs> right, right. You can walk outside and say I you know I'm just going to ignore this rain. Okay, fine. <laughs> I'm not a big rain guy. I'm not a very rainy person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, from that perspective, too, um, you know, it, it's interesting, it, it, you know, when I think about, I mean, Ted Lasso's theme is around soccer, but I think about team sports and in, in, in some respects with this. Um, and it really kind of leaped out. Um, one was a non-team sport. The other was a team sport. Um, when the U.S. Open was happening in tennis and uh, it was the championship match for the women. And it was like after the first set, and um, I believe it was Coco Goff had won the set. And I cannot remember the young lady. I believe she was from uh, somewhere in uh, Eastern Europe. But Eastern Europe, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, the coach, they they were interviewing the coach on the break and saying, "Well, what what does she need to do? What do, what is she, now that she's?" And he said, "She really needs to manage her emotions, not to allow those to." I mean, and. Luke, it was almost like this guy was giving an endorsement of EQ. Yeah. Uh, but it was yeah. so focused on he knew 
the role that emotions played and how well she performed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, boom. Team sport. And it was in football, you know, coach talking about that the quarterback, he's got to keep his emotions in check. He's got to manage those because if, if things start to unwind on him, he's going to start, he's going to make mistakes. We're going to throw in a, we're going to, you know, interceptions and fun, whatever. And I'm going, yeah, absolutely. Um, so what are your thoughts about that? And I know we're not here to talk about professional sports and what's this and that, but think of it in the sense of the corporate world. Yeah. Right? And, and and maybe you're a leader. And what do you say to those folks? Well, I, I mean, the thing that comes to mind is, you know, you and I, you and I uh, both work with, uh, with, you know, th there are lots of different EQ models out there on the market that people might work with, right? You and I work with one um, from six seconds, right? Which is, um, and to, to, to somebody, some people listening may be familiar, some people may not, but um, we work with a, with an EQ model where, you know, any, any individual, like anybody listening can take a, a 77 question assessment and get a, and get a, a, a scale of their strengths and challenges, challenge areas in, in eight specific EQ competencies. Mm -hmm. Right. So you can see you can see what strengths you use to manage your emotional self and what areas where you might have challenges uh, under stress or maybe even a blind spot. Um, and one of those six competencies, which is to me, has always been sort of one of the one of the most challenging ones to help people understand is one called navigate emotions mm -hmm. um, and, and navigating emotions is is really it can be a, a number of different things. But it's it's one that's really big on, you know, getting through how do I get through those periods where the emotions are really strong and how do I get through those periods? And like, like, you know, if I'm weak with the skill of navigating emotions, then, you know, those, then those periods, they hit me like they two, one of two things happen. Either those, those periods hit me like a tidal wave and I do things that I regret later, or I say things that I regret later, or I can't perform in my sport. If I'm not good at navigating emotions, those periods of heavy emotions, they they hurt me. Um, the other way that that can go is if somebody's challenged with navigating emotions, or if I'm in the business world, I've actually seen that come a lot. Where I where I've come, you know, been in an organization and seen a lot of people that's coming up as a challenge area. And what I noticed was that those people tended to be more like disconnected from how they felt about a situation. Like mm -hmm. they would be saying, I really like it here. I really like my team. And I could tell that they weren't really feeling that. And there was a disconnect between, you know, so it's almost like this disconnection from actually feeling what you're feeling, which mm -hmm. the danger there is that strong to me, I think what happens there is strong emotions are running in the background and you're disconnected from what's actually going on there. And that's, that saps your energy that saps your sense of purpose that, that I, I think it takes away your internal motivation and you can end up in a situation where you're like, I, I, I'm, I'm tired of this. I can't go forward. I don't, you know, I can't get up today. Um, that kind of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. Cause you know, it's uh, I find it fascinating in the way you describe that. And, and I, I love how you kind of played it out in its <laughs> sequence. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I've thought about that interconnectivity that you just described, you know, uh, th this idea that our emotions don't operate just in this one little silo, you know, the yeah. impact 
spreads as we, again, in this case, what you described, where if we're not doing a job at harnessing and managing and 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 kind of navigating uh, what can happen. Um, and, and obviously the beautiful part about EQ, right? It's a learnable skill. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, that's the, I mean, that's the ultimate sign of hope, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not like we're yeah. talking about either you have it or you don't <laughs> type thing, right? Yeah. 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 And I, I think even to connect that navigate emotions piece to like leaders of business, you know, uh, leaders with the big assignments in, in larger organizations, you know, right. um, the thing I've always felt about, you know, some of the best leaders that I've been around, you know, they, they usually are, are high, high EQ people. That's what it takes to get to that level, or at least that's part of what it takes to get to that level. And the, the issues that they deal with and the number of people that leaders in, in, in organization, leaders of large organizations deal with, you know, they, they generate tons of emotional challenge. Those, those folks are going through uh, a gauntlet of emotional challenges on a daily basis you know, but they handle it really skillfully. <clears throat> it looks like they're not. They, they, you know, they're 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 gracious. They're you know they manage challenge after challenge in a really down to earth, connected way. The great leaders do that, yeah. and that's what it, that's that's what it means. That's why you know EQ is so important for leaders. And there there are leaders. You are going to come across leaders who have big assignments who actually are disconnected from that, and they can still get things done. They can still be high performing people, but there's there's a there's an authenticity piece missing there, and people can keep people can kind of feel the lack of personal connection. Yeah. So, you know. Luke, you know, when you you say that about the the that leader, the 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 latter, um, you know, it got me thinking about um, when someone is succeeding though they're failing, right? And and I kind of liken it to. Um, like a, like a car, like when we're driving in a car and we get a warning light on our dashboard, right? Um, we can ignore it and we make it to our destination and we could feel like, well, it's probably no big deal, right? Um, yeah. Maybe the light goes out and it doesn't come on again when you, but it did come on. So that, that does, that should leave us with, there's something, something happened there and then it comes on again, but you ignore it. And you say, you know, it's fine. That it's just probably a faulty light. You you start making those sort of rationalizations of it. My concern for those leaders, uh, my my heart for them, is that if you go long enough with ignoring a warning light on your dashboard, you inevitably are going to get in a place where your car is going to fail. You're going to have to have it towed to the shop, and then that's when you get that realization that you know what. Um, it's probably going to be about eight grand to correct this, this, and this. Yeah. Did you see a warning light on your dash at all about this? Yeah. And we, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And I, and I say that not, I mean, hopefully audience, it comes across with empathy because I, I, I have been there. I, I don't, I, I don't want anyone to have to experience that, but that is a risk. Is it not Luke? It's of course it is. And, and you definitely took a very, you know, you took the, the more empathetic example there where you're concerned about the leader who's kind of burning themselves out yes. in pursuit of performance. Now, the, the other the other end of that equation or another perspective on that equation is, 
you know, the leader who, what's important to the organization? There are, there, it, it's very hard for organizations to resist the allure of the leader who, who delivers fantastic KPI performance, who delivers big money, but that delivery is coming at the expense of the stress and the well-being of the people around them. And what does that organization, because the warning lights go off in those people too. And there are organizations who don't pay attention to those who aren't even looking for those warning lights, who maybe don't even think those warning lights are, are important. Um, you know, I remember reading an, an article a few years ago about a, a large company who uh, we all know they're a big name in our world today. I have never worked with this company, so I don't have firsthand experience. But, you know, this was a big New York Times article about the culture at this company um, and how they how they deliver incredible same day performance. Um, and the culture was one of one of the things that struck me is that just the article was basically about the amount of crying that was going on at people's desks over, over, you know, failure and over, over, you know, having, having their ideas shredded in front of people, other people in meetings. And, you know, and I'm just kind of thinking like at, at what expense innovation, you know, at what expense speed, like how, who, who is going to want to keep doing that 20 years from now, you know, maybe there will yeah. be people, I, not me, you know, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Cause I, I love how you bring that in about the, the, the connection to others who are impacted, you know, it's like the, it's like the warning light triggers three other warning lights that trigger four other warning lights. And then you've got all these signs, but you're right, Luke. And I I've made this comment before on the podcast that, you know, I really wish um, that, you know, like, for example, business schools would put more emphasis on character development, integrity, um, yeah. emotional intelligence, um, yeah. because I think some of this, uh, you know, what we're talking about are symptoms of a, of a, of a disease, if you will, uh, where there is a lack of understanding of what power and money and all of that can do. And I mean, I think about, you may remember this, I can't remember the bank specifically, it might have been multiple banks, where they were, where they had, um, these bankers were opening up uh, fake accounts in order yeah. to hit their numbers. And you could say, oh, that's wrong. You should, that's lying. That's misrepresentation. They should be fired. Maybe so. But where, what was the root of that? Mm -hmm. That an organization that said, you've got to hit these numbers. We have to be at this, at this place and yeah. whatever it takes. And then the organization just blindly believes that that kind of behavior is not going to bubble up when, oh my gosh, it's, you know, we're two weeks away from quarter in and I'm down by you fill in the blank. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so in, 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 in to that point, I, Consequential thinking is another one of the competencies that you and I are familiar and our audience has heard it on the podcast before. But when that leader sees the red light, what role could consequential thinking play in that, you think? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, you know, to me, it's to me, it's pretty it's I, I think that. Uh, <clears throat> You have to. I, I think you have to be clear on that. Everything that's happening happening in the organization has consequences, and which ones does the organization care about? 
does the does the organization have a holistic sense of what the out what they want the outcomes to be? I mean, to me, I think the organization that has its head in the right place of we we know that securing profitability secures a company's future. Right. So that you know, we we I, I don't say that anything should be done you know at the expense you know that 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 profitability should should come third and fourth third or fourth. I mean, in a capitalistic market, a business yeah. has to be profitable. Yeah. I think though that that you know our exper- our human experience and providing like a net positive human experience for the people that your business touches is we we can't sacrifice that either so that's the people you know that's the people that are doing your business the people who are receivers of your business the people who are impacted in the, like it's got to be sort of a net it doesn't mean that you know there's never pain or there's <clears throat> never challenge or anything but yeah. the, but it should be a net positive and that's where the EQ piece comes in. Like, you know, I, th- I think EQ is the piece where you can measure, you know, is, is this, is the experience of doing this, is it improving life for me? Is it improving life for the people around me? Are we growing and developing? Are we feeling a sense of fulfillment from doing this? Um, or are we just paying the bills? Are we just driving growth for growth's sake? Yeah. And I, and I will say with, uh, with a level of uh, care, you know, it, if you're in a higher leadership role and the pressures that come with it, um, I, I think about the emotion of fear, right? The fear of if I don't do this, the fear of what if this happens and and on and on and on it goes, right? And I think about it, Luke, um, you know, the first time that I failed in an entrepreneur venture, I thought that, you know, uh, catastrophic events follow. I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm not going to be able to, I mean, I'm just going to be on the street, destitute the whole deal. Right. Mm -hmm. But then I found out when I woke up the next morning that, okay, well, maybe I can try this now, or maybe I can do this now. I still didn't like it. And it's still, I felt all of, I mean, the fear thing kept knocking on my door again. It kept coming up. Now, back then I didn't, I didn't understand what to do with fear. I didn't I didn't have the knowledge that I have now. But what's interesting, when I failed the second time, it was like, well, that gone. But then I could remember, wait a minute. This is not end of world stuff. End of world stuff doesn't rise to this. And you know what, Luke? A third time I failed. It was as if, oh, okay, yeah, this happens. We, we, we made our bet. It didn't pay off. Got to do something different. Need to learn from it. But I didn't miss a beat. And it was almost like, well, now, now I understand. Now I know how it feels. So yeah. it's power lessened, right? Mm-hmm. The beauty of EQ for me personally was that now I understood I don't have to run when fear comes. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, I can invite fear to sit down. Tell me, tell me all of what you want to tell me. Mm-hmm. This is not an issue anymore of, oh my gosh, this event, this situation, run, 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 you know? Um, and I just, I just think about that power and I, and that's my hope for leaders in that role is like, you know what? If you work for an organization that says you better or else, okay, you'll be all right. Cause Luke, I mean, I, I'm going to get off this freaking soapbox I'm on but isn't it it's ironic to me is that you know I don't 
what do I lose when I go ahead and go against what I know to be right for me? Mm. That's much larger than, well, you know, I was fired. I, my job was eliminated or whatever, because we do get up and we can get up. And I think we're made to, to get up. You know what I mean? I think we're, yeah. we're, we're made to be that again, requires work in a whole nine yards. So, um, Let's, if we can, let's pivot. I'm going to go back to your son just for a quick second, because your son's um, situation in baseball back last year when we were, had you on, uh, he was going through a slump. And I believe it was a batting slump. And yes. I, I, I thought the story of how he navigated that, obviously, with, with your guidance, too, it was just marvelous. So... We were in a random conversation, right? And I think it was just we were doing a catch-up call, you know, checking in. How's things? What are, you, what are you doing type thing? And you mentioned that you had started playing baseball again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, now, Luke, I'm not going to reveal your age to the audience, but I did. When you told me that, I immediately thought, oh, he meant softball, right? Because How dare I you? Right, because <laughs> <You know? laughs> I have I have people around me where I live, you know, that I go to church with, that I you know see in the neighborhood or whatever, who play softball, and they're you know they're of a certain age group. But then you said no baseball. So, with that as a segue, um, there was something in that that, and I'll I'll talk a little or ask you about it in a second. But tell me a little bit about that. What's the story behind you picking up baseball again? Yeah, that's a good question. And I have played a lot of softball and I'll come to that. I have played softball in my adult life, but um, I, you know, baseball, well, look, I've been on your podcast twice now and we've talked about baseball both times. So it's a, it's been a big thing and it's, it's been a big, um, a big point in my life. I mean, I, I, I played baseball from the time I was a little kid, my dad and my grandfather and, and my family, they were, they were all, you know, they, 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 they were all big baseball fans. I grew up in New England, uh, my first, so I'm in my mid forties, we'll say, um, you know, my first, my first trip to Fenway park was to see, was to see Carl Yastrzemski play in his final season. It was really important for my dad and my grandfather to bring me and my sister there to, to see Yaz one more, one last time in 1983. And I wow. still remember that. Um, I still remember that game. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, and, and I, you know, I played baseball. I, I lived in a town where baseball wasn't big. I actually lived in a town where soccer was really big. Um, okay. And it was, it was uh, so I played baseball growing up, but not in a, in a pretty kind of, kind of like a pretty ragtag kind of youth league that I always played in growing up. And then I managed to play at a pretty good high school program and against a lot of, you know, we had a, we had a, you know, a bunch of players that I played high school baseball with go on to really big time colleges uh, play at, you know, one of got, we had a guy who was a freshman when I was in high school, a freshman on my senior year team and went to Arizona state. We had guys that, you know, we had, we had a bunch of division one players, even a couple of guys that, that played pro for a couple of years. So I played through high school at a good program. And then I never, like my last high school game of my life, I, I never, I never played baseball. I never put a uniform on again. I never played baseball again. I, I played some, so I played some slow pitch softball, you know, for, for a number of years um, in my, you know, twenties and thirties and made a lot of great friends doing that actually um, friends that are still friends today and become friends with my family. And, and that, you know, that was fun. I mean, that, that was, you know, it was always great to be on a team and have some competition, 
slow pitch softball has a much lower barrier barrier to entry. We talked about things being difficult before. It's not mm-hmm. difficult to hit a softball that's thrown from, you know, that's, that's, if you've, if, you know, if, if you've done it at all, it's, it's not really that difficult. Slow pitch softball is actually a little more, more dangerous in some ways because the field is smaller and you, you know, you throw the ball softly and these big giant guys just smash the hell out of it. And like you, you can get, it's, it's, it's not that safe to be playing infield <laughs> slow pitch softball. Um, right. But anyway, so, so I played some of that. And then, and then last winter, I just kind of heard through the grapevine that a coach that I coach little league with was putting together a, a 40 and over men's baseball team. And, and one night I, I, he hadn't asked me to play, but I sent him a text and I said, what is it? What, what's it take to get a, a chance to throw an inning? I said, I, th- I think I said to chance, just a chance to throw an inning. You know, I really hedged my bets. That was the, that was right. the definite, like the, the male, you know, I don't want to fail in front of everyone. Like I just want a chance to get out, you know, maybe throw a little bit. <coughs> for your team. And he said, well, you know, it doesn't take much. I don't know. I'm trying to, it, there's not really any requirement. Um, so I said, we're going to start, you know, we're going to start working out in the winter and, um, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll get back to you in the spring when we're putting it all together. So we come together with, you know, a bunch of guys from, from in my town who kind of, we all know each other from, we all have sons that are in the, in the, or not all of us, but I mean, the core of the team is guys who, whose sons are like anywhere from 10 to 16 years old right now. And right. we know each other a little bit from coaching baseball. But one of the things, you know, I come back to this, to this feeling, uh, to this thing about, about the male, you know, the, the Ted Lasso thing about EQ for males and, and the, I'm going to connect, I'm going to reach back and connect to another podcast that my wife had sent me a clip of recently. It's a Mel Robbins podcast. And she was on, she had her husband on, um, and her husband does retreats for men, I guess, uh, because he hit a point of entrepreneurial failure, like you described. And he he started looking into kind of, you know, he he, he really took that hard. Um, and uh, he talked about five things that he sees in guys who are really struggling in their in their forties and fifties. And a couple of a couple a couple of them include, you know, guys not not having enough friendships, not having enough true friendships in life. Uh, men having this this feeling of the need to carry everything on their shoulders and, and provide everything and and all of these things kind of conspiring to sap men's energy and, and sense of purpose. Um, and I won't say that I feel all of those things, but mm-hmm. coming together with a bunch of guys of that age uh, and, and forming a team, a baseball team in a sport where there's a lot of failure in front of people, um, you know, Baseball is a sport where like a, a 300, 300 average at the plate is really good. That means you fail seven times out of 10 and, you know, and, and it's hard to play at our age. It's hard to play. So we're going to fail more than pros do, of course. So a bunch of guys come together, you know, who are in that point of life and are like, you know, we're going to start playing baseball again together. And we don't really know each other that well. Yeah. That's a question point. Yeah. Uh, do um, did your sense of community immediately bubble up or was it over time? No, it didn't immediately bubble up. It, what, what came, what came through first was a sense of like, of, of like, like, I don't know how much I should commit to this. I don't know if these people like me. 
I don't know if I, you know, if I start throwing and uh, I, I have no idea if I'm going to be anywhere near as good as anybody else here. I don't know if I'm good enough to still go on a baseball field. And um, so it was the sense of like, it was the sense of like um, definitely being out of your comfort zone. That was the first thing that, that I felt. Um, and then fast forward to getting out there. Like, so we work out together um, here and there over the winter and tried to put it together. And then the first game that I played was this beautiful early summer uh, Sunday morning. We played games every Sunday morning Mm -hmm. and you put on the uniform, which I'm wearing now, this lovely pinstripe. We got really nice uniforms right? and walking out onto the field, onto the grass on, on a summer Sunday morning with a bunch of guys in uniforms and going through a pregame warm up routine it, have you ever seen Field of Dreams? Do you remember Field of Dreams? Oh, yeah. You remember when when she, I told people for weeks that I just walked around like and I felt exactly like Shoeless Joe Jackson when he walks out of the cornfield and is on this baseball field, like wearing a uniform like and it's like someone told me I can play again, like I actually can participate in a baseball game. And that was the first big feel. It was the feelings of like joy and awe of like, we can, we're, we're just able to do this again. And everybody was feeling that every, and we just started talking to each other being like, I can't even believe what I'm feeling right now. And like, you know, you get on base and you take a lead and you come back to the dugout and we're talking to each other and we're like, I, like wh- how, how amazing did that feel to lead off first base and like react to what the pitcher did. And it was, that was like the first bonding. And that's where the sense of community actually started to bubble up was when you realized that like, you know, everybody was kind of feeling that fear of failure and then everybody was feeling that awe and everybody was feeling that joy. And you really kind of were bonded by that experience. And then that's really where it started to become this kind of, you know, this kind of community of people who wanted to take this forward and weren't scared anymore. You know, yeah. and you know what, Luke, I, I, my hope for people, and, and this was kind of a motivator for why I wanted to talk about this, your experience, um, it's not an immediate instant thing, but there's something I believe to community, friends, relationships, whatever arena it happens to be. And obviously yours is, is in baseball, that there's something very powerful that it brings out in us individually too. Yeah. Um, you know, using terms like joy and awe is, um, you know, I know, there may be some out there in the audience that might say, well, you know, Luke, you played baseball before and you were good at it. You know, you mentioned the D1 people that play kids that play blah, blah, blah. But Luke, I mean, I don't I, I think it's just if you've got an opportunity to be a part of something bigger. Right. Yeah. You should take it. Yeah. And I'm going to yeah. come back to that in a minute. But I just when you were just speaking about it in that way, I'm just saying just go ahead and take that opportunity. And yes, I know you, the emotion of fear is going to be there. The, the apprehension. I mean, uh, you know, the, you know, this idea like, well, what may I, maybe I was thinking this is this is going to be too. Be OK with that for that moment. Just just stay there. And you, as I know, you know, if you decided after two games that you really just are not as into it, you could have just said, hey, guys, I'm bowing out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we had people who did that, by the way. You know, that that had to be okay, And, um, you know, it was okay at different levels. Uh, It was okay at different levels for everybody. 
but yeah. for those of us who kind of stuck stuck with it and, and kept going through the season, um, the the cumulative benefit of that is, you know, we, we've all got a bunch of much. I mean, the biggest thing for life is that we all have a, a, a bunch of close friends now um, that we didn't have, you know, several months ago, which to me, like I I mean, the, the gift of playing this sport again that I that I love, you know, that, that I've loved so much in my life is that's a great, that's a great gift. And that's a great gift for everybody on the team, but also like, you know, that why I connected, I think to that, to that podcast that I, the Mel Robbins podcast was like, there, there aren't a lot of opportunities like that, that come along for men in their, you know, in their forties and fifties who are, you know, thinking about, thinking about paying the bills and thinking about putting the kids through college to, to suddenly just like that in a period of, of several months, you know, make a bunch of new friendships you know, and this provided a great context for that. You know, it wasn't just that we go out and that we we go out and go to the same place and hang out. It was like that we're, you know, we're working on a goal every week and we're trying to get better and we have to support each other through failures and we have to support each other through injuries and a lot of injuries to people. And and we have to do things like say, like, you know, if we are going to get better, we need to get up and probably work out at six o'clock in the morning, go to the cages and hit or we're not going to get better. Okay, let's do that. You know, so it was, it, it provided this great canvas, I think, for relationship building that was just really right for people at our stage in life, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, one of the things that, that makes me think about, um, you know, and, and we're talking about relationship building and and you, you've, you've, you've communicated some of the, the, the dangers of being disconnected. Uh, which I think is great irony is that we're the most connected generation or or yeah. society, but yet we are at our highest point of loneliness, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I would throw out to the audience is that, you know, you, you don't have to do exactly what Luke did. You don't have to, I mean, our, our podcast is designed for you to discover. Maybe yeah. you're the, is maybe you should start playing music again with three of your friends. Maybe you should join some kind of group at your church that volunteers in XYZ and you're you're involved in helping with hunger. The isolation, I think, is the thing that is really, really dangerous. Yeah. Uh, and it can easily get normalized in your life if you're not careful. Sure. Um, yeah. And um, I would dare say, and I think one of the things that we talked about um, offline in that conversation, you know, was this idea about about time and as far as age and and our self talk around well I can't do that well I don't have time for that I I'm now responsible for this that and the other well Luke I mean it wasn't like you got a call from the Baltimore Orioles saying hey we 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 need a first baseman uh, we'll we'll give you a shot tryouts are next week can you be here I mean that's I mean. Yeah. What? Huh? How? Yeah, where, yeah, where? Right. right. But this is this is not like um, in your case. And again, I'm going to stress this is this this is the path you chose, the path that worked for you. It wasn't easy, but Luke, I mean, you're not going to tell me. Well, you know, I had to, I had to, I had to audition. I had to, I had to try out for five different teams. It took me 19 months to to get an answer. And then I had to spend $50,000 and okay. Yeah. Yeah. Happy for you, Luke. But at the end of the day, <laughs> it wasn't, I mean, 
this is reachable. And, and that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Why don't we find those things that are reachable and make it a mission that we don't fall off, allow ourselves to fall into isolation? Because um, I am of the mind, and I've used this example uh, uh, before in other situations, that, you know what, um, I kind of liken it to the Thai, not Thai Cobb, it was um, Satchel Page. You know, there's legend that nobody ever really knew how old he was. Yeah. It was, yeah. Just, it was like the the urban legend, if you will. And there was a quote from him. How old would you be if you didn't know how old you are? Mm-hmm. To me, that sends a message that, you know, maybe some of our excuses around age and trying something again or trying something new is really not holding water. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, I I think another message I would build on there is just the value of just doing something because because it's something you love to do, um, even even when there's no because I, you know, coming back to this EQ stuff, I mean, you know, I I work with and I try to bring this six seconds EQ model to people, not because I'm an expert at it at all. I'm not an expert in EQ. I struggle with it as much as anybody else. Um, And I have, you know, I have to work hard at it to make it, to make any aspect of it a strength or to put wind in my sails. Um, And at the times when I don't, it becomes a challenge for me, you know, and, and I, the same thing is like, I have probably not been a person. And I think this is why this is such a profound thing to me is that I, you know, very much was probably a person who was caught more in the, my life being, being, um, you know, um, not having enough of activities that contain enjoyment just for the sake of, of, of contain of, of enjoyment and, and being really, you know, caught up too much in that struggle of just, um, getting things done and making sure the bills are paid and, you know, making sure the path to college is clear for the kids and, and that kind of thing. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to say I was, you know, totally, totally lost in that because there's, I still have, probably more joy in my life than I think, you know, the average person might get to in the world. But, um, but, but the, but the thing of actually like really going all in on something just for the sake of enjoyment um, is it, 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 there's such tremendous energy value in that, um, you know, for, for us as people. Yeah. And and Luke, I'm, I'm so glad that you brought that up because typically when we are involved in things that give us enjoyment, like you described, we are getting an energy boost. Yeah. And I've told clients this. It's a reoccurring thing with me. What are the things that give you energy? What are you things mm-hmm. that you do that, man, I could lose track of time? You need to know who, what those are and don't make them an accidental by the way thing. You can be intentional with it. You know, um, I've had clients who cooking. That's the thing. Whenever they yeah. cook, they get tremendous levels of energy from it. Some, maybe it's playing music, some writing, whatever it may be, go do that. Because that's, I mean, that's practicing a high form of self-care. Um, yeah. Okay. As as always, Luke, we when we have great guests on, we run out of time. So having <laughs> said that, uh, I'm going to pivot to one last thing that I'd like to get your, your thoughts on uh, before we close out. 
what's going on in your world that you're really excited about? I mean, obviously you, your passion around what we've talked about today is very clear, but anything you'd want to tell the audience about that you're working on or that you're excited about, be it a book, be it a project, whatever that you'd want to share? I, yeah, I, well, I can, I can definitely share that. I'm really excited to be joining, um, to, to be joining spirit of EQ as a, uh, as a strategic partner, um, for, with, with you and, and Jim and, and Lynette and your, and your group there, um, you know, taking your great mission into the world. Um, you, you have a bunch of partners that you work with on, you know, EQ projects and, and, and things like that. So I'll be one of the, I'll be one of the people that people that, uh, folks can, can check out uh, on the Spirit of EQ website as a as a consultant, and I offer services around. Um, you know, uh, we 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 can offer EQ coaching services. Um, we do things like EQ cohorts with groups of you know 10, 15 people that might want to dive into EQ topics over the spirit over a period of months. Um, we can do you know in, introductory EQ workshops. And then I also go into the range of, of, you know, things, things like corporate communication. I have a really long background in large organizations with corporate communication, internal communication, consulting, change management. So um, for organizations that have something, something new going on or need support with, you know, anything from building intranets to messaging internally and externally, um, I offer services around that too. So I'm really excited to be joining your team, uh, Eric. Well, and I am as well, Luke, and you already know that, but I'm going to reveal to the audience for the first time my secret thoughts about Luke from <laughs> his past. <laughs> so now, now, Luke, here, here's where the nerves start to kick in, right? But it's all good. So, Luke, we've known each other since, what, 2020, 2021, somewhere around there? Yeah, maybe maybe uh, something. Yeah, definitely 2020, yeah. I would say. Yeah. yeah. So, um, as we began to do work together in that world that we were running um, and, and I was working, doing work for the organization you were with, I, I remember thinking, man, wouldn't it be cool if this guy, no, 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 no. I got to be careful. I don't want to be pushing. I don't want to project. So I held back. Right. But man, there were multiple times where I'd go, man, it'd be really cool if he, but then I, I was like, no, you can't, you, you don't mess with, you know, people have got their path. I am just grateful that the way things played out, of which I would have never said, oh, it's going to happen this way, this way, this way, and then, because I don't think life delivers that for us. It just lined up to where it was something that was right for you. And I, I've always practiced that approach with anybody that I'm interacting with, whether it be a client or, in this case, a strategic partner. It's got to be right for them. And yes, yeah, selfishly, I'm glad that it worked out to be our benefit, my benefit selfishly. So we're excited as well. So with that, audience, we appreciate you tuning into the podcast again, and we look forward to the next time we're together. Take care. Hi, everyone. This is Eric again. A couple of things as we've ended the show. We hope you enjoyed it. Hopefully you're tuning in on a regular basis. We'd love it if you would give us a great review on whatever platform you're listening to the podcast. It's so appreciative and helps us as we try to get more exposure for the work we do and the episodes that we publish. And we're grateful to you as a listener. The second thing is just remember our content is for educational purposes only. It's not intended by any stretch to diagnose or to treat anything that may be occurring in your life or anyone else's life that you may be connected to through the podcast. 
But once again, we appreciate you tuning in to the shows. And as always, we look forward to the next time that we're together. Take care.